You're listening to Mind Your OT Business, a podcast to empower and equip occupational therapy practitioners and others to be savvy and successful entrepreneurs. I'm your host, the ever honest, always 100% real, Laura Park Figueroa. I'm the founder and owner of Outdoor Kids OT, a leader in the nature-based therapy movement, as well as a business coach for therapist entrepreneurs exclusively in my Business Better Ops group coaching program. I hope that what you hear on this podcast will empower you to take action, even when you feel a little bit afraid. So are you ready to take action? Let's jump in. Hello, friend. Welcome to Mind Your OT Business. I have not done a podcast episode in a long time. And the reason is because I have been taking time to rest in order to bounce back from what I would consider to be a fail learn, a big fail learn, the biggest fail learn that I've ever had in my entire professional life as an entrepreneur. And that is the, I don't know how to describe it really, that is the experience of planning and executing the OT Entrepreneur Summit live event, which happened in November. There were some really, really great things that happened at this event, and there also were some very painful and expensive fail-learns. That fail-learn is my word for failure, and it really has come in handy in processing this whole thing because I feel like I need that word to remind me to focus on the learning in this whole situation. So in this episode, if this is the first time you're tuning in, This is kind of a weird episode to listen to for your first time. You're welcome to listen in. There are other episodes that maybe go more into nitty gritty business content. This is going to be a little bit of a share from my heart personally to pull back the veil a little bit like I am known for doing and talk about what has been going on with me really all fall, but the last month in particular. But it does relate to business because I think that One of the most important things that we can do as entrepreneurs is to get back up again after things have knocked us down. And so this episode is going to talk about kind of how I'm trying to do that, fumbling through trying to do that. So, all right, let me orient everyone here. If you are not familiar with what I'm talking about when I say the OT Entrepreneur Summit Live. I, for the past two years with my colleague Trish Williams, have planned an event online called the OT Entrepreneur Summit. And it has been a gathering of different OT professionals who are running businesses and have something to share with our OT entrepreneur community. Now, This year, we held the event in May online, and then we moved to an in-person format. And an in-person event is a behemoth of a thing to plan. And so we did not want to go at it alone, and we hired experts. We hired an expert to help us with marketing. We hired an expert to help us with the planning. So there were two different companies that we worked with there. It was a lot of money. It was very expensive to hire experts to help with things. Now, Long story short, I won't go into all of the details, but long story short, the event did not end up being what we originally envisioned. And I will go through why that is and what kind of happened in the process. But I 
want to own that I'm really proud that we tried some new things and we put ourselves out there. You know, we tried to do something that was really hard, but many of them were <laughs> were were painful and expensive fail learns. So the beauty of this and and what I'm trying to focus on in the process of processing all of this is that I'm really proud that my business can afford to take this hit. So it's pretty amazing that my business could pay close to $50,000 for something and not end the year in debt. So I think that's pretty incredible. And I'm I'm really, really proud of that because my business is so small, you guys, compared to what some of you are probably running who are even listening to this. Like my business will hit and I'll do an episode in, in the end of December or January, like I always do, like with a kind of a review of my year. But my business hit 250, over 250. I think we're at 260 now, $1,000 of, of revenue this year, which was our goal and our strategic plan. So I'm really proud that my business is at a level where I can do something like this, I can invest in something like this. And even if it doesn't go well and is not profitable, I can still continue on in my business. So I'm proud of that. I'm proud that the relationships I have, um, the team around me, the people that I surround myself with, and my financial management of the business means that I will carry on, that my business will not go under because of this. And then it helps me to, to have people around me and to know that I'm managing my business well, even when I want to hide in my bed and cry. But <laughs> so anyway, but my practice manager, Nicole Storms, who is just an incredible support to me and has been for many years, reminded me after this event that all successful entrepreneurs have a fail learn story like this. You know, she just said, if you listen to the most successful entrepreneurs, they all have some kind of story about an utter fail learn of an experience very early in their careers. And then they go on to do even bigger and better things in their business. So I want this story, I want this share from my heart to encourage you that if you feel, even if it's not a huge thing like what I'm talking about here, if you feel that, if you feel that shame or embarrassment or like you don't have your act together or like you're just an utter fail learner, <laughs> then this is for you. I hope that there are things that you will be able to take away from my sharing here about this. And I hope it will encourage you to get back up and to keep on going. So let me give you some background info. So we hired the event planners and this was supposed to help us, but it hurt us <laughs> in many ways. And I think I have three lessons here that I took some notes on, maybe four. So I'll just dive right in. So the first lesson that I learned was to not always trust the experts. So really ironically, I got a book at a thrift store and inside of the book, that I opened right after, well, not right after, a few weeks after I came back from the event, there was a fortune cookie slip inside of the book used as a bookmark. And the fortune cookie fortune said, don't accept that others know better than you. And I was like, oh, could have used this like a few months ago. But anyway, <laughs> so the model of the event, what we did was we hired event planners and their model, the model that they used to plan events, which they did not tell us before we hired them, and we're talking with them about that and, and pointing that out to them right now, is that you, you don't make money on the ticket sales. You allow, it's basically to like reach a huge number of people with the event, right? Like you let people come to the event for a low ticket price. And then you make 
your money back by selling a high ticket, really valuable offer from the stage. And this is a very common model of business that is used at live events. And we tried it. You know, we like we thought, okay, this is a real shift in our thinking, right? Because it just seems crazy to sell a three-day live event for $97, which was what the cheapest tickets were for this event. Some people even came for less than that because we did a bring a friend that was like 50% off of that. So some people might have come for like 50 bucks. So that's the model, right? And in, in some ways, that really makes sense. So you fund the event by sponsors. Sponsors pay to be there too, to have a spot with their ideal audience. And then also with the sale of a high ticket offer. So everybody gets value from the event itself, but there are opportunities for people to work you know, more closely with Trish and I because we're the, we're the hosts of the event. So Trish and I really set out to create something we thought would be really super valuable to OT entrepreneurs, which was a mastermind program with a luxury, luxury element of a retreat that was going to happen. So I'll talk more about that in a minute. So that was what we decided we were going to sell from the stage. And there was a lot of communication behind the scenes because I actually am pivoting my business right now to work mostly with nature-based pediatric practitioners. So there was a lot of talk behind the scenes about how to structure it in a way that would allow Trisha and I both to run our own individual businesses and also do this mastermind program. So we came up with what we thought was a really valuable offer. And this whole way of doing the event actually required me to do a lot of things that were very uncomfortable and that were new to me. And also now in retrospect, I realize why it was so hard for me to kind of embrace this model and even to market the event in the fall. Some of you reached out to me and talked to me about it even in the fall. So some of those things were that part of this event model is that there's an element of surprise about the content in order to keep the audience and the people at the event really engaged and keep them coming to sessions, right? So the idea is like, if you don't know what's going to be in the session, there's kind of an element of surprise. So you're going to be there. Unlike when we're at like a, you know, all of us have been to OT conferences where we look at the schedule, we're like, nah, I'm not going to go to that. Yeah, I'll go to that. No, I won't go to that. And it's, it's, very different when you do a live event that is like a specific niche group of people than it is when it's like the broad, you know, 14,000 OTs going to AOTA or something like that, the AOTA conference here in America. So there was that element of surprise. And I hated this. I was in tears multiple times in the fall <laughs> as we were planning this because my whole brand, if, if you know me, is transparency. I open my bank account. I show you guys when I mess up on things. My whole brand is transparency. And it was very hard for me to embrace a model that was like this element of surprise being a key part of it. Another thing that the model required that was uncomfortable to me and, and to Trish as well. I, I, I'm trying not to speak for Trish here because I'm sure she'll do her own speaking about it in her own episode on her podcast on OTs Get Paid. But filling up the schedule at the event rather than allowing time for rest. So it felt really wrong to me to jam pack the schedule. But what the event planners were telling us was that it's really good for people to get like content for the whole time, right? They came to the event to get content. So it just, we just had originally wanted a lot of rest and then were convinced to kind of put more sessions in. And that, that didn't resonate with me either. 
nor did it with some attendees. We will get to that later. And then also the idea of selling from the stage. That was something that was very new to us and we had never done before. We didn't know how to do it. So we were trusting the planners to help us know how to effectively sell from the stage, how to introduce an offer and how to invite people into that offer from the stage. Now, we did this. The So the mastermind, quote unquote, selling was one part of one session. So it was about a 45 minute presentation. And then for the next day, it was about 15 minutes of some frequently asked questions. So it was about an hour of the total content when we were together for the whole weekend. But here's the thing. For some people, okay, for some people at the event, it became the only thing. And that's where I'm I'm not sure, like, I don't even know if I can talk about it adequately here because I don't, I don't know what it was. Like I'm I'm not sure why the blowback on the feedback forms was so strong about the selling of the offer. And I mean, I have some thoughts about why it might be. So don't inundate my email box with why if you attended the event. I'm I've read all the feedback and I I'm moving on from that. So <laughs> so um so, but it, it really became, you know, it made people uncomfortable to watch OT sell a high ticket offer. I'm not really, I'm not really sure. I, I have some thoughts and I'm not going to go into that here, honestly. I'm just going to stop my mouth from talking and, and say that it was a very small part of the entire event was us selling on stage. But that brings me into my second lesson, which is to trust your gut, trust your intuition, your personal intuition, because only you know what that is. Only you can be in touch with your own heart, your own gut, your own intuition, whatever you want to call it. You have to trust your gut in business, even if everyone disagrees with you. Okay. So I want to encourage you, as I'm sharing this podcast episode with you, I want to encourage you to trust your gut. When you are uncertain in business, get with the people who know you. Talk through things. Pray. Meditate. Get time alone. Journal. Do the things that get you in touch with your intuition so that you can make wise decisions. So in this process of planning the live summit, I truly felt like I was on a 100-mile-per-hour train, maybe 500-mile-per-hour train. It just felt so fast and and I couldn't get off. Even when I spoke my mind about things in our team meetings, I was I was really trying to lean into being less Enneagram 8. If you're not familiar with the Enneagram, it's a way of I, I hate saying it's a personality type thing because it really goes deeper than that, but it is like a way of being in the world that it describes the way that you approach the world and the weaknesses and strengths you have. So I guess it's personality, but so an Enneagram 8 is a challenger. And one thing that I struggle with is being opinionated and wanting my way. Like when I used to teach in an OTD program, some of you listening may have had me as an instructor, one of the feedback forms that I got, now I got a lot of positive feedback too, but one of the feedback forms that I got was that she always acts like it's her way or the highway or something like that. So that's Sometimes the way an Enneagram 8 is perceived because we challenge things and we tend to have strong opinions about things. So in the process of planning this event, I have to tell you, I honestly was trying to be a team player. I was trying to release mindset issues. I was trying to not be 
unhealthy in my Enneagram eightness. <laughs> I was trying to not argue my points, even when I felt strongly about them. I was trying to bring up things that I thought, but then not feel, you know, like I was clinging to my own opinions with a iron fist. And what happened was in the process, I really started to doubt myself and and doubt how well I knew my people, you, all of you listening, the, pe- the OTs that I love. Like I trusted experts, but I couldn't convince them that I was right when I advocated for what I thought we should do differently. And we were in the middle of planning the event with a bazillion logistics. If you have never planned an in-person event, oh my gosh, take pause before you take this on because it is by far the hardest thing I've ever done. Now, I had planned an in-person event for my nature-based retreat a couple of years ago, and that was 27 people. Even that was a lot. But this was 110 people and a $100,000 budget. So with the million and bazillion logistics that we had to plan, the train had left the station and was rolling at a million miles per hour down the track. And I just, there was so much going on that I, it was, it was a hard process. That's all I'm saying. So one example of this trusting your gut, okay, even if everybody disagrees with you, some of the feedback after the event was that attendees wanted more like nitty gritty business content, like here's how you bill insurance, or here's how you write a strategic plan, things like that. And what I think happened in our process on our 100 mile per hour train rolling down the tracks was that we ended up doing a lot of content on mindset and values and inspiring stories and inspiration and motivation for people. And I think that's great because that is key to entrepreneurship. But in retrospect, I think we needed more nitty gritty, get it done kind of content. And I think this actually contributed to some of the the struggles with us selling from stage was that if there had been more of that nitty gritty content, it might have actually, I, I think it might have actually shown more what Trish and I have to offer in a more intensive program with us. So we didn't intend for it to be a mismatch, but I think it ended up being a little bit of a of a mismatch from what people expected at the event. So We wanted to deliver an incredible event for people, of course. We wished that people would come and just get massive value and that we would want to do it every year and that it would just be incredible. And it was in a lot of ways. Honestly, you'll you'll hear people saying this on social media. Lots of you have reached out to me and said, everybody said it was so amazing. And I'm like, yeah, and the, the, it was a struggle also. So like all of life, right? All of life is good and hard. So yeah. So anyway, that is that is the second lesson. So the first lesson was don't always trust the experts. Lesson number two is trust your gut, even if everyone disagrees with you. And then number three is always, 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 always take the perspective of your customer and advocate for it in your marketing and sales. What do I mean by this? So there are a million ways to sell. A million ways. There are a million sales experts out there telling you how you can sell. I always encourage us as entrepreneurs to learn from others, to be humble, to know what we don't know, or at least be aware that we don't know everything, and to be willing to learn from people who are experts. In that process, you always, always have to stay true to what feels right to you. We tried. We tried. We paid experts and lots of money to host an event, and we thought we were giving people what we needed and then going to invite them to work with us on a deeper level. But the strategy of how we sold that very valuable offer wasn't aligned with our people. 
And I think selling it on stage was what made me, I think what what I was disappointed about in the process of selling it on stage is not at all that some people were offended that we sold. Because, you know, honestly, if you're offended that we sold something, I'm not going to apologize for that. There was value in that offer. People are always going to be offended by what you do in business. There are always going to be people who are offended. And a lot of times it's because they're not going for it, honestly. And I'm not saying this about people in the audience at the summit, but I've said this before about entrepreneurship, that your entrepreneurship is going to offend people because it brings up maybe things that they're not going for themselves. Okay. So I think that there are always going to be people offended by what you do in business. My concern is that the value of the offer wasn't perceived because of the method of selling it. I know that that was a valuable offer. I know that it was worth the money that we were asking for it. And yet the method of selling got in the way of communicating that to our people. And that that is sad. There might have been some things about the offer too. Like it was a very quick, it was going to start right away. And with a high ticket offer, when you're paying thousands of dollars for something, sometimes you need more time to think about that. That is something I brought up in the process of planning. Um, and we decided against it and that's okay. So there might've been other things, but I do think that maybe the way in which it was sold could have been different if we had not been on this million mile per hour train rolling along the track. So someone someone mentioned on a feedback form that what may have worked better is like, if you're interested, join us for lunch to hear what we're inviting you into. And I loved that idea. And I, I don't know that we'll ever do another live event in the future, but I think that that is a great idea. So thinking about, I mean, in that, in that frame, if we had framed it that way, I really love permission-based selling. Like you're asking for permission for someone to hear you sell. And that has always resonated with me before. And it just literally, I'm honestly, y'all, I, I it, it never occurred to me in the process of planning this to do something like, hey, why don't we why don't we invite people to a lunch instead of selling it from the stage to the whole group? And to me, like that's something that the event planner should have told us about. Like they should have said, well, here's another option if you're uncomfortable with this or whatever. Like, but instead it was like, this is the model and this is the way we do it. And so we were really trying to lean into trying new things and doing something different. And so we did that. So one thing I do want to mention is that I do think that this whole process, you know, some some people, we did anonymous feedback forms and they were really hard to read. Um, there were a lot of people who were very positive and thoughtful and also gave great constructive criticism, like whoever wrote, like maybe a lunch would have been better to sell or something like that. That was super constructive feedback and thoughtful. There were also some forms that were scathing. And honestly, comments that I won't even say here because they have, they, you know, it's like it's business. It shouldn't hurt my feelings, but it did. (laughs) And so I have had a hard time over the last month kind of letting go of some of the more scathing comments on some of the feedback forms, because when people are honest or when people are anonymous, they're really honest. And that is something that I tell business owners all the time, all the time. I tell people this in my coaching, in my group programs. I say, you don't really know what someone thinks until you allow them to give anonymous feedback to your business. So when you do that, you need to grow some thick skin and just know that you are are 
not ever going to please everyone, right? Something that Brene Brown says in her books, I think that it's in Dare to Lead or maybe in Braving the Wilderness, I can't remember, but it's it's something about you know, deciding whose opinion really matters of you and then letting the rest go. And that's what I've had to do with some of the feedback that we got on the event is saying, okay, the the people who said things that were really hurtful, they're going through my mind right now, so I'm getting distracted. Sorry. <laughs> um, the people who said things that were really hurtful on those forms, they're, they're maybe not my people. Like, maybe that's okay, right? Like, they're not the people maybe that I want to work with anyway. And I, I've been trying to focus in this whole process on the people that I do know, the people that have reached out to give me encouragement during this time, the people that I reached out to, to follow up after the event. Like I, I feel like that has buoyed my spirits, you know, that people can forgive. And when there is a relationship of trust built over time, like I hope I have built with doing this podcast for several years, with serving in the Facebook group, with offering free content and my paid programs as well, um, because a lot of people at the event had been in my paid programs. You know, I think there's there's trust there. And I would hope that there would be acknowledgement that a mistake was made, that it felt out of alignment with who I am as a business owner, like the overall fall out of the event, essentially. And I think like in relationships, you're actually stronger after you have to navigate conflict with someone. Like it's a tricky situation to talk about and to process in a public space like this podcast. But I I really do feel like this episode and and processing through things has been my attempt to be transparent and to reestablish trust and really explain the behind the scenes of the whole event and what went on. So it's taken me a long time. It is what, December 14th that I'm recording this. So it's been a month. It's taken me a month to be able to speak publicly about this and to put this out there. So let's end on a happy note, shall we? Let me give you some little updates about my business right now. So as I mentioned at some point in the podcast, and I had it in the plans all fall, but I am niching all of my business coaching work to work with nature-based pediatric therapists. So I have been a little bit uncertain about what that means for this podcast. And I thought it was really funny because I was thinking of how to pivot, but also keep this podcast because I really love doing the podcast. I don't think I am going to stop doing it. It might just take a little bit of a turn into more nature-y type things, but I'm, it'll always be about business. But I'm just playing around with a lot of different ideas. And I was laughing because I was, you know, if you've listened to me at all, you know, I love acronyms and like abbreviations for things and frameworks. And I was like, mind your OT business. It could be mind your own therapy business. It could be mind your outdoor therapy business. It could be mind your occupational therapy business. (laughs) So I don't know what the acronym will change to or if the podcast will change much in feel, but I do, I do want to keep the podcast as part of my free offerings for people. Now, in my niching, I am actually working very hard and have been working very hard all fall when I could, when I wasn't working on Summit stuff. I 
have been working very hard on getting my Contigo approach, which is the nature-based pediatric therapy approach that I developed. It stands for Connection and Transformation in the Great Outdoors, Contigo. It also means with you in Spanish, which I love. I've been working very hard on getting the Contigo approach online course formatted into a evergreen webinar sales process. So that has been so much work. Now, if you don't know much about online business, basically what it means is um, in the past, we've had to open and close the cart for the course. And that is a lot of work. It's a lot of work to clone it, to get it ready, to get ready to launch, to do all the online marketing of it. And what I'm working on now in a group coaching program that I'm in that is crazy. Talk about a high ticket offer. I'm paying $2,000 a month for this program. It is worth every penny, worth every penny, (laughs) y'all. So I am in this group coaching program to help me learn how to sell the Contigo Approach course through a webinar. So basically, the webinar is always evergreen. It's live all the time so that people can buy the course whenever they're ready to buy the course and that it's not dependent upon me launching all the time. So there's a whole system and a ton of tech behind the scenes. I think I probably have increased my expenses on software by like over $600 a month probably because of all the software that is required behind the scenes to do this. But it is very exciting. It's very exciting because it is really a a way that my business is going to scale next year. And I am really hoping to double our revenue next year through this scaling process. So we will see. I haven't done my strategic plan yet for 2022. I'll have to figure out how that might be possible and set targets for that. But so yeah, that's what I've been working on. And that's what I'm focusing on now. Um, I just went to California. I I live in Madison, Wisconsin. I moved here early this spring to be near my husband's family. And my employees are all back in California. And I just went back to see them. And it was just such a great time of being with them and enjoying each other's company and being in person. We had a meal and just it was just really fun. So I got to be in the woods with kids. It was great. So yeah, that's kind of what's going on in my business. And I'll do a little update and my year-end review of all my numbers probably on the next episode that comes out. So stay tuned for my end-of-year review that I've done the last two years. So I hope that this episode was helpful to you and was encouraging in some way to teach you and help you to just trust your intuition when you are in complex business situations. So take a small step to trust your gut, follow your heart, because small steps make great gains over time. So until next time, mind your OT business.